0: Welcome to the Peter Gabbitt Podcast, folks. Today is February 28th, which means I'm on episode 76 of an unscripted, unedited improv show that brings you news, movies, music, sports, entertainment, and all things except politics. In sports news, folks, the Blazers lost to the loser Indiana Pacers, proving once again that they are garbage without Damian Lillard. Not to mention, he was called Dillard last night by Marv Albert. I gotta say, there is no recognition for the Blazers ever, and until he gets back, Damian Lillard that is, there is no chance of a playoff run for that 8th spot at all. With four of their five starters sitting on a bench, wearing turtlenecks and crusty looking suits, it is just a shit show out there. There's no chance. And Sabonis Jr., yeah, we all remember we all remember Arvidas Sabonis from the Portland Trailblazers in the past. Well, his son, something Sabonis, who plays for the Indiana Pacers, was on point last night against us, proving that we should have swooped the prodigy of Arvidas and had him play for us as well. In the end, folks, I am waiting for the return of Damian Lillard because there is, once again, no chance otherwise. In international news, folks, a Swiss town may have to evacuate their residents because of a gigantic cache of World War II weapons found underneath the town. Yes, there's so many of them, and a rock crumbling has occurred on top of them, leaving them exposed to potential explosions, if even touched, where the people near them, you know, their houses could be destroyed. In 1947, something similar to this happened near this same Swiss town, killing nine people. So now, wouldn't it be crazy if this day and age, 2020, you're told you may have to leave your home because underneath you is a massive amount of World War II weaponry and ammunition that could explode at any given minute. This is crazy. What if the tectonic plates underneath you shifted even slightly and then all that stuff went off. Man, you would just think that the 4th of July was happening underneath your house. This is this is nuts. And I feel bad for these people, but at the same time, at least they found this before it exploded. You know, that's pretty lucky. To even know that it was there, or if someone did know and never said anything, total dick move. And folks, is there no end to the corruption of the L.A. County Sheriff's Office now A couple of cops who were off-duty decided to go out drinking it up at a local bar, getting hammered as cops do, and in the bar that they were at, they decided, oh, I think it would be cool to flash some pics I illegally took that were not a part of the investigation of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianni's burnt to a crisp bodies, yeah, this is what really happened flashing photos that they weren't supposed to be taking of the crash site where where the helicopter burnt up and multiple people died just so they could impress a girl at a bar. Well, the bartender was not having it. They heard all this, complained online about it, and now it's under investigation. Well, under investigation, when it comes to cops doing something wrong, means nothing. It means they're going to sweep it under a rug and no one will get in trouble. Because that's what they do to preserve, you know, whatever reputation they might have left. I don't know how much of a reputation they have because L.A. County especially has the most corrupt police ever. And this proves it. These guys sit there in their spare time and circulate photos of burnt up family members for fun just to, you know, get a nice chuckle or to impress each other like it's some kind of frat house. Well, that's sick. And sadistic, you freaks. No longer will people tolerate that. That's the most insensitive thing you could possibly do. Some people out there, you know, they made a couple filthy memes about it. Or, you know, said some slightly humorous jokes or cracks about what happened. Well, that's messed up as it is. But to sit there and take photographs so you could later gloat about the fact that you were one of the first responders on scene to see this tragedy occur, is just disgusting. Now folks, I like the zoo here in San Diego. It's great. They even have a safari park. Yeah, it's awesome. You can go there, you know, check out the animals, a little bit more open, where they can kind of roam. You know, you know where else they have a safari park? Oh, uh, yeah, they have one in Pakistan. Yeah, that's uh, that's where they found an 18-year-old boy's body because he snuck into the lion portion of the safari park. Somehow, the enclosure, which they say was no negligence on the part of the workers. It was completely the kid's fault. Don't ask me how that's possible. And he got eaten by the lions. Yep, they just found his remains. He'd only been gone for two days, and they found his skull and clothing. Now I got to say, you now as as insensitive as what I'm about to say is, I'm a total dick, I've already accepted that. The lions are pretty smart to be able to like eat around the clothing. You know? you just expect they would go straight in and take it all down. You know what about the pieces of clothing that end up soaked in blood? Do they not want that because they still know it is cloth? They can taste it. They're like, "Ah, oh, this is terrible. I don't want this fibers and you know, whatever this cotton is, you know, I'm going straight for the flesh. I mean, this is sad, man. This poor kid. But at the same time, do we not all know that you shouldn't sneak into a lion's den? We're not Daniel from the Bible. We can't just miraculously train these things to not kill us. They are predator animals. They're carnivores for a reason. That's why they're in an enclosure. I gotta say, there's not enough safety precautions taken in the Pakistan safari, because here in San Diego, there would be no chance you could ever get anywhere near the lions. There's like two layers of, of gates, plus a you know solid iron, if not steel, just prison cell of a type enclosure where the lions are. You can barely see them ever, but that's the point, so that a little... Baby or somebody doesn't squeeze in there, or in this case, an 18 year old boy. That's sad. You know, he's never going to see his 21st birthday. Not really sure how it works in Pakistan, anyways. Could have been drunk when he did this. But either way, step up your game on the rules and regulations for your safari park, Pakistan. <coughs> Sometimes United Airlines just pulls out all the stops. And in this case, when they had to downgrade 10 people from their first class seats to business class instead, they receive $10,000 vouchers each. That's incredible. What are you even going to do with a $10,000 voucher to United Airlines? Just travel the whole world? I mean, what the heck? That's awesome. I'll let them downgrade me to Be in there with the luggage if I can get a $10,000 voucher. Hell, I'll hold on to the freaking landing gear the whole flight there. $10,000 voucher, awesome. The only time I've ever been offered anything was when they told me I might not be able to board my flight somewhere. That was it. No, they didn't give me any compensation of any kind. There was nothing. They simply said, you may not be able to board this flight because we overbooked it. What a bunch of scumbags. Once you're in the, you know, once you're in the lower class like me, you don't get offered anything. They just tell you you might not even be able to fly out of where you're leaving from because they overbooked. Their mistake becomes your problem. But if you're in first class and they have to, oh, I'm so sorry, not let you have an entire bed on the way to Hawaii, then instead we're going to give you $10,000. What a bunch of scumbags. I should be happy about this, but I'm not because it was nobody I knew because no one I know would be able to fly first class from Newark to freaking Honolulu. And if they did, they certainly would accept the $10,000 voucher to just have a little less leg room. (laughs) I mean, man, I hope that happens to me someday. I'll downgrade to anything. I'll sit in the bathroom the whole time after somebody deuces without a fan on if I can get A $10,000 voucher. Well, folks, I knew it would come to this. Now a Japanese company has come out with sliced mayonnaise. Yep, slices of mayonnaise. So you can make yourself a sandwich now with pre-sliced bread, a pre-sliced piece of fake conglomerate milk cheese from Kraft Singles, and a pre-sliced slab of mayonnaise. Pre-sliced bologna, pre-sliced turkey, chicken, whatever you want. Everything's pre-sliced. How disgusting. This is getting crazy. Food is becoming more fake and plastic looking. It is like those little gummy candies you get in the shape of a burger. Like, this is what we're serving to people now. Sliced mayonnaise? I could not just fathom something more disgusting than that. I'm not a fan of mayonnaise. I don't like it. I have a coleslaw in my barbecues and barbecue menu. I don't use mayonnaise in my coleslaw. I do a mustard vinaigrette instead. But you know I'm not saying mayonnaise is not for some people. Some folks love a good mayo. You know you can't make egg salad without mayonnaise. And there's some things like I guess in and out burgers special sauce. I'm pretty sure there's mayonnaise in that and it's still delicious. But straight-up mayonnaise and the way it's made with eggs and vinegar, it's just gross. And now you're putting it into slices, like it's some kind of cheese or something. I mean, how disgusting. This can't be good for you. How many preservatives must you pack in to some mayo to solidify it into a slice form? And why would you want it then anyways, I mean, don't we use mayonnaise to make a sandwich more wet so it's not all dry? I personally prefer some pickles and maybe some relish or a little bit of mustard, but but not mayonnaise, especially not sheets of it. Nothing sketches you out more than when you're sitting out looking outside your window and you see a pest control truck pull up to your neighbor's house. Because then you're thinking, well, what does my neighbor have in there? You know, I'd like to find out if it's rats, roaches, termites, and whatever it is, if they're getting treated for it, aren't they all just going to try and come over to my house now? You know, they shouldn't even treat a person's house unless they do like the surrounding three or four houses as well. Because from what I understand, these things just pack up and move to the next place to avoid the death that they're guaranteed to get with the pest control people. And as we speak, right now, there's a pest control truck pulling up to my direct neighbor's house, performing tests to see how much, I'm sure, poison and spray they have to engulf into my neighbor's house in order for all those little pests to try and crawl over to my house instead. Now, the craziest thing about out here in California is the landlords do not give a crap. They simply tent a place and then wait for it to get full of pests again instead of going to the root of the problem and having a guy come in and actually eradicate each and every single little bug or mouse or rat or whatever it is or roach. You know, I never dealt with that in Oregon. I never even saw a single roach in my whole life that was alive, other than in a zoo-type setting. And yes, in the Oregon Zoo, they have a bug exhibit that has, like, Madagascar hissing cockroaches, things like that. So I thought they all looked like that. They do not. When I moved here to California, every single house I've lived in, I've seen a roach before. Yeah, they just do not give a crap out here. They just have given up. They're like, oh, well, you know, roaches exist. Let's just, you know, let's try and live with them. Why well, don't want to live with them. The first thing I had to do when I moved into my current house is blast one of those, you know, just things that like shoots out gas inside your house, a bug bomb or whatever it's called. I did a bug bomb, and that's because during the walkthrough of my house, after I told them I wanted it and I had to make sure everything looked good, there was a gigantic dead roach in the middle of the hallway that I had to step over while walking with the landlord, and I pointed it out. I'm like, hey, what the hell is this? And they're like, oh, uh, you know, you're just going to have to bug bomb the house before you move in. And I'm thinking, wait, I'm going to have to do this? So the first step I have to take while moving into a brand new place is that I have to bug bomb the place? This is ridiculous. I shouldn't have to be spending money immediately as I move in. But now I'm looking at this guy right now, and it looks like he is pretty sure there's some pests in my neighbor's house, which makes sense. She's about 175 years old, never moves out of her garage, has stockpiles of crap all up and down the side of her house everywhere, has never done a single bit of yard cleaning or any type of landscaping in her backyard. It's growing into my backyard through a fence. I'm constantly chopping down ivy that grows from her yard into mine, trying to reach my pool, it's disgusting. I swear, sometimes neighbors just don't give a crap about the other people. I have to cut this giant bush that is on her side of the the yard because it grows into mine, and it looks stupid, and I just expect they would eventually cut it, and they never do, so I'm forced to do it myself. So this has me worried, and I'm hoping uh, I don't get some new visitors to my home after they do some spray in my neighbor's house soon. Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbit podcast that we all are waiting for this entire time anyways. Nobody cares about news, sports, any of that. Who cares? Just tell me another story about your crazy life, Peter Hengst. So that's what I'm going to do, and today, folks, I'm going to tell you about a time I knew a guy named Jordan. Now, to be confused with a longtime family friend of ours, Jordan Elting, love that guy, nothing bad to say about him whatsoever, but a little kid named Jordan, who lived in the adjacent cul-de-sac from I, and his parents, his mom, whatever his parents, mom and boyfriend, were just terrible, terrible people. I would go visit him, I don't know why, out of sheer boredom. I don't even know how I met the kid. Pretty sure I was playing at what we called a big toy, but is, you know, like one of those large outside areas in a park that has swing sets and things like that. So we called it a big toy, and I'm out there playing, and I see this kid in his backyard messing around with some stuff, and I'm like, "Hey, man, why don't you come out here and play with us on the big toys?" So he starts playing. with He seems like a decent kid, and I go into his house. Now, his mom and her boyfriend smoked cigarettes inside their house. That was already a red flag. Even as a little kid, I knew that's not normal. It's just disgusting. So I knew something was going on. I'm like, this kid's life already sucks. He lives in a house where his mom and her abusive-as-hell-I-found-out-later-boyfriend smoked cigarettes inside. It didn't matter to me that much because we would go into his room, which was away from the smoke, and play his Super Nintendo, which back then was brand new. And he had every game. And he even had that little gun. Well, not little. That large gun with a scope in it that you would look through to see this Yoshi's Island game where, like, I mean, this was state-of-the-art. I couldn't believe this kid had all this stuff. I had nothing like this. I had a regular Nintendo with maybe a couple games, the ones that probably came with it. This kid had every new video game-related thing you could imagine. His mom spoiled the crap out of him, probably because he had an abusive stepdad or boyfriend or whatever he was, and they all smoked cigarettes to the point where he had a a terminal cough, a straight-up... Well, not terminal. I mean, I don't think he died. Maybe he did. I don't know. But a straight-up chronic cough. So I went to his house multiple times. Every time I'd come home, my parents would be like, You smell like cigarettes. Have you ever been smoking? And I'm like, I haven't been smoking. I'm 10 years old. I was just at my friend's house. His parents smoke inside. So he had an older brother, too. He came in and out of the place. I don't know if he lived there or not, but the guy was a total Dick. I'm telling you, this guy was not a nice dude. He was so mean to me and so mean to his brother. He was just a total asshole. So one day, I get in a squabble with Jordan, you know, something about a video game or something. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't very nice to the kid either. You know, if, if he didn't let me play his video games, I would just threaten to leave. He'd be like, oh man, you know, it's uh, it's my turn to play, so so I'm going to go ahead and play. And I'm like, oh, oh no, that's cool. You can play. I'm going to go ahead and head home then because, you know, I I don't want to hang out if I'm not going to be playing your video games. And he'd be like, oh, never mind, guys. It's fine. You can totally play. I'll just sit here and watch. And then we would play his video games all day until we were done and then leave. So we weren't very nice either. You know, I was a, I was a mean kid. I got treated poorly by my older bros to the point where it it transferred from me to my own friends. So I was not nice to this kid. I'm not going to lie. Uh, But I was his friend. You know, I treated him with a decent amount of friendly respect. You know, when his parents were mean to him and his older brother was a total dick, I stood up for the guy because it was not cool. And one of the times that I had a little bit of a squabble with him, we ended up, I don't know, kind of at each other's throats and he tried to like swing at me and I ended up throwing him square on his ass on the ground and then walking out of his house. Now, before I could even get like, halfway through the cul-de-sac towards the path that would lead back to my house, I see his gigantic brother run out of the house and throw me to the ground. And I'm like, dude, you're like 20 years old. I'm 10, and you're about to assault me? And he comes up to me and tells me how he's going to kill me and that I am just going to be murdered by him. I'm so dead And that I'm never allowed back at their house. And that I'll straight up find myself in a coffin if I go near their property ever again. And I'm thinking, well, you made a mistake being a bitch to this kid. Because what did we do after that? Well, we spent every waking moment of our lives, me and my other friends, just ruining their property from the park. I mean... In Oregon, there's a lot of pine trees, and there's a lot of pine cones everywhere. In fact, there's a nuisance, you know, it's a nuisance. There's a just annoying amount of them to the point where they stack up and ruin people's yards. Well, there was a ton of them at this park next to his house. None actually in his yard whatsoever, but we ensured that his backyard got full of pine cones from that point on till the years that I finally spent outside of that park doing whatever I did when I was like 13 and above, which was normally, you know, partying it up and whatever I did. But in the end, the kid learned his lesson. Do not mess with these Aloha crazy kids like me and my posse of homies because we had nothing better to do than to destroy them. I mean, their cars got tagged with pine cones every day. Their backyard was full, their side yard, their roof. We filled their rooftop and their gutters full of pine cones, all day long. All we did was sit at the park and talk about life and throw pine cones into Jordan's yard to the point where they moved out of our neighborhood because of us. Now that just goes to show that you should not assault a young child if you're age twenty because that little kid he has no responsibilities. His only responsibility now is to stand up for himself because he feels embarrassed. And the only way he can do that, since he can't physically assault you back, is to ruin your yard, house, and back patio. So, you know, I feel kind of proud about what we did. Although, it's not okay. You should never, you know, do these type of things to somebody. Especially not when it was the young kid. You know, it was not his fault that his brother was a freaking dick. But his brother was a dick. So we forced them out of the hood. And that is what happens when you mess with the Aloha squad. Not really sure if that was our nickname. You know, weirdly enough, we did have a nickname when we were kids. And it was called the Aloha Bong Team. Yes, stupid name. But uh, it was tagged everywhere. A-B-T. Later on, we found out that's also the same letters that Uh, They use for the Aryan Brotherhood of Texas. Yep. So we looked like total idiots and like skinheads because I'm not even going to lie. I tagged the letters A-B-T into many things, including that park I'm describing. I scraped with a knife a giant thing of the letters A-B-T and... Now I realize it looked like I was a part of the Aryan Brotherhood of Texas. How messed up is that? Well, that's not what we meant, folks. We're from Aloha. We're stupid kids. We had bongs. So we called ourselves the Aloha bong team. Embarrassing. Well, folks, I hope you liked that story. I am not very proud of it, but I must say, you know, lessons to be learned, definitely. And uh, I enjoy the fact that you listen. And thank you very much for tuning into the Peter Gabbett podcast. It means the world to me. Please subscribe to me, you know. Send me a message, hit me up, sponsor me, whatever you want. Just let me know that you exist and that you know I exist, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Now, folks, I heard a rumor that Tom Holland might play the role of Michael J. Fox's Marty in the new, upcoming, supposed Back to the Future remakes. I have been waiting for this for so long, and in honor of it, here is Back in Time by Huey Lewis and the News.